0: There's a big question that we will dive into for the next few moments. How can you be sure? It is the purpose, the single purpose um, of why we are still here. Just in case, (laughs) just in case you're still wondering, well, there's always that moment of wondering why, why you, why are you here? And I hope uh, the invitation of this morning will give you a, uh, a place to start just in case you have not found a place. See, every single season of our lives, uh, our attention is focused on particular things. When uh, I remember when my, uh, my oldest boy was still young, he, he finally realized that on the 26th is his birthday. And so when, he, when his little mind started to uh, form around this idea of getting gifts, when he started to see the Christmas tree coming, he thought it was all about him. And so, so we had to practice the restraint of, no, that's not for you, not yet. Because he thinks that everything under the tree was packaged just for him. And his life was just, he was just in that moment when it's about me, it's about me, it's this gift. Because, rightfully so. One of our families just have a little baby boy in the last few days and it's just like, this little boy is so overwhelmed with it's about him. Every smile is about him. Every love, every—I mean, this is this is those places. I said, uh, it's one of the funniest things of my my life experience. When I go to the uh, maternity ward in hospital, you know that the see-through class where all those little, those little, you know. Nice, nice box that you can see and there are bundled little, you know, naked legs and naked hands and bare eyes is just there. I mean, you, you will see dignified people, judges and lawyers and politicians, they stand there they make the stupidest face ever. Because they have, they have a powerful little bundle inside there who have absolutely no clue who they are. And these people, you won't find them in public places making those faces and making those sound. I was like, dude, get a hold of yourself. But that is the status of life. We are in that place. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's about getting to the best school in the neighborhood. It's the safest place where we can go. And, and then, and then this, this is so incredibly fun for me. In good and bad ways, it's a challenge as well as a stretching moment for me. When our children are still in junior high and getting to high school, it's like getting them the best grade ever. Gender was not an issue, never an issue. You know, kids graduate, straight A's, all all of those kind of stuff. And then get to college, all of a sudden, there is this, start talking about the gender becoming an issue. Because by the time you graduate, somebody is gonna to have to raise those kids. And then all of the preparation, you know, getting, getting straight A's in high school and all of that, getting all educated in college and all of a sudden, you know, one of the gender is gonna to have to stay home and do all of that. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's a reality of our life. And I think, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It is a reality of our process of life. Our life status along the way, the focus of our life changes as we go. When you raise your own kids, you, you get them to a place where they can be of themselves. You try to be, we try to be the best parents ever. And I ask this question, how can you tell you are a very successful good parent? Anybody? Anybody have an idea? Let me just give you something to think about. When your kids and when my kids come to see you without a reason, they just want to see you, then you know you are successful as a good parent. They didn't come because you're sick. They didn't come because they need money. They didn't come because some, you know, conflict happened in the house. If they come and see you just because they want to see you, they love you, then you are successful parents, just in case you don't know. Where is the measuring sticks? Is. That is a good one to work on. And then, when, it, when the kids get to that place, now your focus then is shift to the grandkids. Some of you are living in that season now. It's all about the grandkids. You know, the grandkids call up, Mom, it's been so tough. And it was like, Dad is on the way, Papa is on the way. And Papa saw up and, you know, uh, your, your daughter or your son was like, what in the world are you doing here? And you just walk without saying a word, pack the little bag of the kids or just tell the grandkids, just stand in front of the house, I'm coming. And, and it's just that. It's... It's a reality of our lives. And then, and then you get all the kids. They are successful. They're married. They have their own family. And now, now, your whole entire life is all about having peace. Make sure the lights of all the neighborhoods by, by, well, 6.30, it's time to go to bed. I've been awake way too long. <laughs> Why do they have these TVs so thin now, but they're so bright? like what technology have. All along the way, there is this reason why God leave us in this space and time and today is that reason that we have to talk and remind one another about it. You do remember, you do remember that when, when, when this process of baptism, the process of baptism is embracing every single one of us for this greater purpose. And in your baptism, just in case you forgot, in your baptism, there was this covenant that we all, the church, are into. Your mom and dad, and all your family, all your friends, parents who were there, they were asked a very specific question. Will you live in such a way that this bundle of joy over here will grow up and see and hear and feel and then follow what it's like to follow Jesus Christ. And all your family and friends say, we will. And then the preacher turned to the whole congregation and said, will you do everything in your, in your power to live in such a way, to raise this child, to learn what it's like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the whole congregation said, We will. What's funny about that? We're still asking for volunteer for the kids. We need teachers, and the whole covenant is, we will. What's the board from the bands? Whoa! Play, 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 play. This, this, this board, this board, if you will, is a full-on contact sport. This covenant or this relationship, the purpose of why we are still here. And you do understand, after that covenant of baptism, whether you're baptized as a child or baptized along the way of transformation of your life, you've given yourself to a greater purpose, a greater meaning. And that means your life and my life is no longer ours. That is the covenant. In another word, translation, this church This church, this thing called church, whatever this thing called church, it's not about you and me, is it? Somebody say amen. I know you're kind of nervous about saying that. Because it's our human tendency to say it's all about me. You remember that little infant that I was talking about? We have learned early on. It's all about me, 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 me. Because you got it. You receive it. Every kiss has come for you. Every gift has come for you. Every mercy, every joy, every forgiveness its come for you as a, as a young kid. And you needed that to learn what those qualities are. But some of us never shake it out. We live that way. All the way through young adults, young profession, with, through young parents, and, and this is all about me, all about me. And you learn along the way how difficult life is when you are so insist it's all about you and me. This whole mission of this church, not just this church, church as a whole, it's about, here is the job description. Now that you are so comfortable in your little spiritual parking lot, uh, just just sit, just sit. I know some of you, some of you are going to be shocked that you're reading this sit down. But if you are one of those, in your honor and your own value, you, you, you had to stand in there, then you do stand. Let us read this together. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Call therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the ages. And all God's people say amen. amen. You may be seated. So God, for the next few moments, remove anything. The hesitancy, the reluctance the pushback that we are feeling right now. Help us to be humble. Remind us that this is not accusation of something. It is simply a great exciting invitation and a reminder of the purpose that you are leaving us here. To find our peace, we got to fulfill this purpose. To find our joy, to find our hope, to look forward to a tomorrow. This is the only way that we will be able to do that and to fully experience that. Even when it's necessary, use me. Shape the words, come forth from my mouth. Let your sons and daughters hear and beyond hear you and you alone. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. So there was, there was a young lady who simply wanted to live a life doing her own thing, and then a strange creature show up and say, hey, heaven have found favor upon you, and now you're gonna become the mother of all the earth you in your physical being, you will give birth to the savior of the world. From the beginning of time, this creator God has set us in motion. I mean, the church has been set in motion. One of the most challenging things about the Old Testament, when you go back and read and hear the story, the narrative of the Old, Old Testament, People in the church of the Israel folks Have struggled with this mobile God They tried their very best With all their intellectual ability To pin down God on a particular location But God was always on the move Somebody say amen They built a tent They, they built a big old box And say God dwell in here And God always on the move even even to the point they will journey to the promise of a hope. I mean, it's just, just think about that story. People follow, and the only thing they follow upon and hang their journey on is a promise. I will give you a place. A promise. And they go. And this God continued to do these things. He continued to move. From the beginning of time. And so he came. And he, he lived in a very short amount of time. And then died in the most violent ways. And then all of a sudden, he walked out. Suddenly. He lived shortly, died violently, and rise unexpectedly. That's who this God is. Move all the time. And then when he moved, he show up to a group of losers. I mean, this is how bad this little group is. You remember? You remember the story? They hide themselves and close the door, and they hid in there because they were so afraid. Jesus has been killed. Who next? A group of friends of mine that I play rugby with when I was at home, very, very tight group. It's, it's almost, you know, you have a group of fraternity boys or um, sorority girls or, you know, uh, a partner, somebody you, you, you know, you're best friends with. You are so tight. You think alike. You just know how to be. I heard, uh, I heard people who talk about this, uh, folks who served together in the military, they share a common experience somewhere else. They have this, this bond that is ridiculously so tight, nobody really understands. I have a sense of what it is. I have a group of people that I play rugby with and we are so tight together. We we trail some plays. We play some trails that nobody has ever been before, uh, and, and so we experience things that that bind us together. And in that, in that, these kind of experiences just kind of carve your life together and etch it in a particular way. And so, uh, Jesus spent his time with this group of people. And then, and then there is this moment of what are we going to do now? Who's next? This group of guys that I, I spoke of, uh, we live here short little life, but some of our groups have passed away. And we start to ask the question, who's next? You know, I used to tease the folks who've been around sometimes you know, your first page in a paper is the obituary. You just read the names. Who's gone? And, and then and then you hear the conversation. I went to my fiftieth class reunion and one of the first thing you do is is count. How many people graduate when I the seven hundred? How many show up? There are about five of us left. That's because that's the priority. And here And the question when you leave is, is who's next? Because something is so important. And so this group of losers, they get together and they hide themselves behind closed doors and they are asking and wondering, who's next? And then Jesus show up. And he told them, he told them. So when, and, and, and the story went something like this. He say, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will give you power. Get a hold of that. He will give you power. Wait until you receive the power. And then you go. And he show up and say, well, meet me there. I'll show up. And they show up. The moment they saw him, Matthew say, they fell down and worship him. Some doubted. If if you didn't catch, this is a group of losers, this is it. Some doubt it. But here's the good news in this. Even in that moment, some doubt it while they worship. I don't know about you, but I have doubt everywhere, every day. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I fast enough? Do I have... Uh, somebody tell me, yes, you are not that good. <laughs> even in that, even in that, Jesus never stop, never break stripes coming toward doubt. This is good news for you and me, brothers, sisters. Jesus is still willing to use people like you and me who question our validity on this work. He still pick you. Why? It's not you. It's Jesus. If Jesus needed perfect people, He will find perfect people. But Jesus worked with people who don't have it all together. I heard a preacher, a teacher who was telling a story. He, uh, when in his story, had to do with the missionary church. He said, "When when you when you give your life to this God, it it give you some task. It gives you some commission that that when it get on you, uh, you'll never let go." He said, "I was I was." preaching in this place one time and as I I was leaving I saw this young man who was sitting in a hallway and his eyes were crossing but he was sitting out there while the church happened over there and he said I got in my car and then I drove away and this young cross-eyed boy never left me he went with me and he said he he got back to his office and on the very next day he remembered and he was serving somewhere in North Carolina and he said, you know, I have some friends, uh, professors over there at Duke Divinity School. Why don't I just give him a call? And he said, this, this young boy just bother me. No matter what I do with this young boy, circumstances just bother me. So he called up his, his uh, friends. He was in the Divinity School, not even in the College of Medication. He's it's, it's just in Divinity School and told them about it. This young boy, it just bothered me, and he had cross eyes, and I just called, just wonder if you know somebody in the medicine school who uh, might know somebody who can help this young boy. And his friends from the divinity school say, <clears throat> friends, if, if this young boy bothered you this much, I just happen to know some people in my church, a father and two sons. They, they specialize on correcting eyesight like this. And I'll just give them a call and see what they're going to do. Well, two days later, he got a call from one of these, uh, these doctors and told him, hey, look, just get the boy here. We'll, we'll fix him up. We'll be happy to do so. <laughs> and, and this preacher said, I went to this little boy's house, and his mom told him, he said, if God wants my boys to have a straight eyes, God would give him straight. <laughs> you know there are some people like that. <laughs> if you want one of those people, just hear this. Just hear this. And, and the preacher say, well, if God want, want the, uh, uh, this boy to have a straight eyes, God won't give the smart to this doctor to fix eyes to be straight. And this doctor fix his eyes straight for the rest of his life. And this young man become very, very successful. Go ye therefore and make all disciples. Jesus came to broken, messed up people and called them to a greater task, greater purpose. And so the call is to go and make disciples and teach them to make disciples. What is a disciple? Is somebody who follows. Somebody who follow. The whole reason why the church exists today is to go. It didn't say come and stay and hang out or come and we'll vote and try to figure out and come. We're going to elect some committee to do whatever. It's just simply say go and make disciple. How you make disciple? You go. That's how you make disciple. How you make disciple? You baptize. That is how you make disciples. How you make disciples? You are making disciples by teaching. These are three big things that un that, that occurred in making disciples. You have to go first. And when you go, you baptize people along the way. And when you baptize people along the way, you teach them. Teach them to obey everything. All we are called to do is to teach them to obey. Making a choice to obey is none of our business. Remember a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about, I talked with you about the idea, is there still forgiveness for sin? Our problem, yours and mine, we are so expert on pointing out other people's sins instead of just teaching and giving them the opportunity to obey. Whether they obey or not obey, it is theirs and God alone. Not our job. See, for us, the church, we spend so much time, resources on evaluating and cleaning those fishes. The call is go and fish. None in none whatsoever the call and say clean the fish, flay the fish, grill the fish, barbecue the fish. And that's what we do to people. We flay them, we slice them, we barbecue them, we cook them halfway because we say you in you out the call is and and here's here's what is so amazing remember i say get a hold of power jesus told them wait until the holy spirit come and he will give you all the power the power is just the strength to do the work to do but jesus came and he said all authority authority is the ability to let loose of all the power that you have? Those are two different things. The power is just the ability to do the work. The authority is that thing, that force that let the power go out. And he say, "This is so amazing. This is so ridiculous. If Jesus is who he say he is." This is the claim that he made. All authority up there and down here. And if all authority up there and down here, then that means you and I have no power whatsoever, no authority whatsoever. But the good news is he gave it to us. Didn't he? He gave us the power to go. By his authority, he said go. And that's what we're called to do. How do we go? I happen to learn, somebody taught me in the last few days. And I'll just share with you. In this neighborhood, projects into the future, or the population, the numbers of population here in this neighborhood about 20 miles around us. is degrees in numbers. You know the biggest number in our neighborhood? It's the age of thirties. The age group of thirties is the biggest numbers in our neighborhood. Who are the thirties? Majority are single parents. So it's a single mom or a single dad with children. And if our call is to go, These are the people that we are called to go and be with and hang out with and do work with, to serve and serve with in our neighborhood. These is the work that we do. We do a lot of work here. And yet to whom much is given there's so much more is expected of us friends please don't feel defeated i urge you to feel excited because the harvest is plentiful it just needs some more hands and the work to do see you don't have to convince the people who are already inside the house our whole purpose is, is the people who yet to be here. For those of you who are on my Facebook, you can go in there. Pastor Mark asked this question. And maybe I'll give it to you just in case. And, and what he did, he simply asked every single one in the first service to write this down. And here's the question. I want for you to ask the question. I want for you to struggle with the question. What are we willing to do to reach people outside the church and outside the faith? What are we willing to do to reach the people outside the church and outside the faith? It is the only reason why the church is still the church. Nothing more than that. What are we willing to do to reach the people outside the church? If you find yourself the urge to defend something, good, because you have nothing to defend. God don't need you to defend who He is. Teach them everything and give them the opportunity to obey obey just obey just go just go that's all you need to do is just go baptize and teach and then watch him change the whole world the power the authority has been given to you by the one who own him all in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit all God's people say amen Maybe, maybe someday we will understand how incredibly important this mission is. We are here because someone else was willing to do everything in their power to get us here. and because we enjoy being here you're giving us an opportunity to do that for someone else while we're still able to do God we thank you this in your name Jesus Christ we pray amen